0: Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. 54321, hello, Jonathan Lewis, episode number 168, I think.
1: I would have thought by now, that would have rolled off the tongue.
0: Well, they you try. and So, how about you give it a go? Welcome to a No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 168. Give that a go, mate. Go on.
1: What I mean as in the the, the number of episodes we're on.
0: <laughs> I thought you were mocking me for how th- th- honestly, that is not an easy thing to say. Just give it a go anyway, no. just for the comedy value. Go on. What is it? <laughs> Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number 168.
1: Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. Welcome to episode number 168. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah okay, so that's so, so an average attempt um I actually have thought this before about our branding and our company choice name in that even the term no nonsense nutrition is quite difficult to say no, no, we no- we n-
1: nonsense nutrition? say again Should we found it to bollocks nutrition just for people <laughs> go, about them?
0: I thought that's what you said, but I thought i better
1: clarify. <laughs> Yes, but, you know, just laugh
0: like. Well I wasn't sure if it's the Welsh accent or whether I just you know misheard, but no, I was
1: I was be cool. If if no my royal your company's called, if you could market and sell really well, as Marwish called uh, Unless you call it Hitler, then I would imagine you'd have some issues with that. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, you you're you're mostly right. Yeah, I don't I don't think it really matters too much. Although I do feel and like a couple of recent consultations that I've had for new clients where I've I've kind of explained the background and rationale to our brand um, as you know it kind of does what it says on the team really we try and take uh, I suppose what are quite complex um, things scenarios environment systems whatever you want to say and make them as simple as possible to make them as uh, efficacious as possible as well and easy um so it kind of you know it does what it says on the team, really we are approach is very no nonsense focus on that you know we we we've come up with this pareto or not come up with but we've we've cited pareto theory before haven't we where you you get 80% of your results from 20% of the the stuff you put in rather than the 20% of the results from the 80% you put in they the big big blocks are the things that you should everyone should be focused on and that's really where our ethos fits around isn't it <laughs>
1: Yeah, because you, you find in the fitness injury especially that people make simple concepts sound very complicated. And those are the people you want to avoid because they are trying to sell you something that is, I don't know, mostly bollocks based on something that's good, but they've just made it out to be some super complex thing that you need them for and you don't.
0: Yeah, it's a bit a bit what Dan's, Dan Mack said on the episode recently where he said people seem to just want to take concepts and just add in really complicated words because they want to sound credible or you know sound intelligent or sound smart or whatever um you know there's that meme around you know i tried to be all photosynthesis and stuff with will ferrell which always goes around and it is a bit like that it's like actually clients you should probably be trying to meet where they are not trying to sound smart i can't sound smart because i'm not smart but you know
1: the smartest people are the people who take complicated matters and make them simple they're the most intelligent people that there are.
0: Absolutely. They take complex the, matters the, and make them sound like the most easiest things in the world. Absolutely.
1: Because they understand it so in-depth that they can make it sound easy. Because cool. nutrition, it is be honest, physically is easy. Psychologically, is a different matter.
0: Yeah. Well, n- nutrition for weight loss, yeah, definitely. Nutrition for weight loss, and even health to a certain extent, is relatively easy it given the environment the means for the majority of people so i'm kind of taking out the the i guess people that live in beyond the poverty line and stuff but for for most part it's you know eat mostly whole foods get a variety in your diet as much as you can don't overeat and you're you're pretty much there they're pretty simple com- uh yeah simple concepts aren't they They're just not easy and that often comes up this kind of difference between simple and easy that those the, the use of those words are quite um Purposeful or meant, meant, meantful. mindful. That's not even a word. So I told you I wasn't smart. Quite purposeful, um because there is a big difference between the two. Just because a an idea is is simple doesn't mean it's easy to implement, and that's basically nutrition, isn't it?
1: Getting shredded is simple. However, it's not easy. No, it's absolutely
0: because getting shredded is simple. Don't eat ever. Hmm. The, try, yeah. try that Just, in the long term though.
1: Hmm. Yeah. But it, it it does that does uh, sort of tie into what it's coming about, does it? You can do it, you can do it uh briefly, as long as long term you uh find someone you can stick yeah.
0: to. Yeah, and I guess it does it does uh fit in quite nicely actually, um to what we're gonna talk about today. We could do a quick update, but I'll be honest. Anything new going on? Is anything interesting?
1: Anything new? Not really, nothing there. Oh, I'm, I'm rebooked my stag Well, not rebooked it, but uh, we're going again next year.
0: Ah, okay, good, good. Might be able to go on this one then. Obviously, Get I couldn't make the last one. Um, is it still going to be Croatia? Was it Croatia before? Was it? Or I can't remember Prague. what it was now.
1: Yeah, Croatia, probably. Yeah. Same, same thing. You said because obviously we got out there last year and it was like locked on the day after we got there. So we we'll go to the same hotel apply from the same place, do the same things, because we missed out one of the things, and the shooting was class. I mean, where where do you get to shoot a Magnum? Vegas. Okay, never ever <clears throat> ever. No. Or a sniper rifle. I I
0: I in in Vegas I shot a uh, a, a Desert Eagle, a AK forty seven, and an MP forty.
1: Yeah. The Desert Eagle is 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 just, it's huge, isn't it? It's a ridiculous yeah. gun. Yeah. So. Unbelievable! I can't believe it's so big. Yeah.
0: Basically, if, if you don't, if if you're not, if you don't learn how to shoot it, you're probably in with a black eye or something. Yeah. Or a broken wrist or something ridiculous. Yeah.
1: They are. If you just think, imagine someone going into a filming hall of people who want to let me go. Like, oh, that's the end of it. I'm an AK, you're like, oh my god. Mm. So yeah, that's uh, about. Uh, but the size of it, really. Not
0: not, not um, much else going for me other than. I am now well into my maintenance phase post-diet, which I don't think we have spoke about, actually, because I think we have had guests on and we didn't speak, I hadn't quite finished my dieting phase. So maybe a quick update on that before we crack to the topic, but I uh, obviously finished my diet from mid-January to uh, August the 19th, my birthday. What a coincidence, eh? Hey? Um, I can't remember the vital statistics, but circa I think it's about 26, 27 pounds in those in that period. Um, albeit, I think, I, I mean, probably more impressive when I say, I say more impressive, like it's that impressive, like basically professional starving. It's not particularly impressive, is it? But because um, <laughs> that's all it is. uh Yeah, I, I think out of the 30 odd weeks, I think it came to was the start to end of diet. There was at least 10 weeks worth of diet breaks in there. So I think I only dieted for like 20 out of 30 weeks. Um, there was a, a large period in the middle of about six weeks, I think, where I went on a diet break, and a couple of other weeks here and there is kind of smaller diet breaks. I think I had one weekend refeed as well, maybe two. I can't remember where. I just increased carbohydrates over a weekend um, purely because there were some periods where I was feeling a little bit kind of low on energy, training started to suffer. So,
1: um, but yeah, breaks for, for a reason. The diet breaks, as uh, in i wanted to go away for a week or
0: no no they, I, I didn't use them or coincide them with anything specific they were more just a case of i knew i wasn't going to be able to or even want to really diet straight through for the amount of time it was going to take to lose that best part of 30 pounds so obviously I, what i found and I, and I don't I don't know if there's any literature on this or not There probably is but maybe i'm not aware of it but um what i found is when people get to around like the the 10% body weight loss mark. So if you know a couple hundred pounds, once you lose about 20 pounds, people really start to struggle. Like that's when all the kind of adapt- metabolic adaptations really start to kick in. People really get loads of diet fatigue. Um, and they're usually when kind of like, it's a really good idea to have a proper diet break. Not not kind of like a any refeeds or even a week, like probably longer. Um, just to help some of that fatigue dissipate, try and psychologically give people a bit of a break, all of those types of things potentially reset a, a a bit of the kind of the, the hormonal adaptations, but I'll be honest, I don't know how evidence-based that really is, but it might it obviously have some effect. I guess the evidence I think out there is, is mostly you kind of have an effect for like as, as long as you diet for in terms of, so if you're, sorry, no, that didn't come out right. You have an effect for as long as you diet break for. Um, so almost like to get back to normal, you kind of almost have to, have a diet break for not far off as long as you've actually dieted for so if you have like a three-month diet you're not going to kind of be back to normal in air quotes until you've kind of probably had a break for you know not far off as long as you've dieted for so for that three months say Um clearly there's more to it than that it's more nuanced than that into uh, nuanced than that um like the amount of body fat you regain because obviously we know that body fat controls a lot of your um, hormones like leptin say as an example um D- you know, stress and load of other stuff as well but anyway long story short no they didn't they didn't really coincide with anything specific they were just kind of planned really just to help the phase and kind of adherence more than anything um yeah um but yeah so very successful diet uh, really for me they were just bring me down from obviously a ultra fat point from the back end of last year's uh, ex- intuitive eating experiment um, so it's how start. heavy did you say it's uh, start one about 196 pounds got down to i think my lowest weighing was about 167 but averages wise i said didn't you know that's the up the the top end high to low rather than averages so i averaged like the 26 odd pound or something across across the weeks but pretty happy with that um what it's meant is that now going to have a nice little uh probably four weeks maybe five weeks of maintenance try and hold condition a bit as it is build up calories a bit more and then I probably bought myself, well, if I think about it, like, so 1% rate of gain, you know, maybe like a pound and a half a week. Uh, sorry, pound and a half a month, sorry, 1% rate. Of, um, No, actually, no, I've got that wrong. Half percent rate of gain, sorry. So that should be about, What's that work out? So let's say 160, so it's one yeah about 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 a pound a month roughly you think about it so that if i've kind of dieted off 25 pounds that's the best part of two years worth of massing i've almost banked myself if i can control my rate of gain that's the way i've kind of looked at this in terms of this people have said to me like why did you diet so much or why you even diet at the minute Cause you don't need to like you're not prepping for sure anything which is true but what it has done is one i was over fat two it's now bought me a lot of space to now grow into it's brought me a lot of time massing, which I think is a fundamental thing for people that want to grow weight loss. Uh, grow weight loss. Fuck. I don't, mate, it's late. I don't know what's happening tonight. My brain is not functioning. So grow muscle. um, I think the amount of time you're in um, a, or sorry, probably more that time you're not in a deficit rather than the time you're in a surplus is probably more important, as AKA maintenance stuff includes as well. But I think the time you're not in a deficit is what's going to be, rather than even the size of the surface, something we talked about before, I think is going to be more important than um, for, for muscle gain, anyway.
1: I do think when when I've seen, this is from experience of what I've seen around, especially in gyms, is when you see people get shredded once, you never really them out of shape. And I mean, not out of shape, as in, like, you know, a, a fat man. I mean, they get out of shape in terms of what a bodybuilder would class as out of shape. They never get out of shape. you know what I mean? Yeah. They always look in good nick, even though they've gained back maybe a stone or so, unless they went something ridiculous when they gain it all back. You don't, from my experience, you don't tend to see people go from shredded to fat again. Fat relative to, to like, you know, bodybuilder in terms of like, I mean, fat is, like, 15%, 17% of bodybuilder, but it's not fat for the average man. But you never see him go back. To like mid-20s i mean it's put me the odd one but it doesn't seem like they ever get back a, they stay in decent condition all the time
0: yeah well, i I've, I've i've found the more times i've kind of gone through bulking and cutting cycles i think the certainly the easier i've found dieting whether that's because of the experience and you kind of get used to strategies or, or kind of you know you start to learn more strategies and whether it's you just get used to the hunger whether it's hormonally and you don't have as much hunger. I will say like this diet has been so easy from a hunger and fatigue perspective. I haven't had, other than some moments, most of my training sessions have been fine, wouldn't even know I'm dieting. I've had the odd one, which is a bit of a disaster. Could I put that down to dieting? Potentially. Do I know definitively? No. Um, But general fatigue has been kind of pretty good for the most part, Um, and hunger-wise, in terms of food-focused stuff, like not non-existent, but... I said to a friend of mine around like what am I now a week and a half back into maintenance so not even really technically a surplus it might be a small surplus if I misestimated it but um, I'm kind of at maintenance and I don't think I've got any kind of food focus or any struggles with hunger at all like to a point where I think like actually I'm already feeling a little bit like I'm not bothered about food which is obviously a bad place to be. It's a good place to be from, from a diet perspective, bad place to be. If you're thinking I've now potentially got two years of increasing calories and not wanting to
1: eat. Yeah. But they don't really mix
0: really. No, no. And I'll be honest, like that's a bit of a flippant comment because clearly I can eat. And I'm certainly not on a point where like, when I say I don't want food, like food at the moment, I can go long periods between meals and not really think about it. But obviously I can still eat when meals come around. Um, there is obviously the other end of massing where you literally can't stand the thought of food and anything, like I got to a point during my experiment of intuitive eating where towards the end, anything that wasn't ultra processed, the hyper palatable, just, I just the, couldn't bear the thought of. Um, and I ended up just living on shit because I was kind of like, oh, I just, nothing seems appealing to me right now. Like even some appealing food as in ice cream and Reese's cups and stuff were a bit like meh. And obviously if you get to that point, you know you're overfed and overfat. Um, I'm not at that point in any way shape or form now but I am at a point like I say where food can often not cross my mind for hours and hours and hours which usually you can't say coming off the back of a long diet is the case no no you don't normally it normally takes a lot of people a lot of time and like it has done me on previous diets a lot of time to kind of get away from that and get out of the diet mindset and back into some different because you're still utilizing diet strategies with foods or you're still kind of got this increased food focus so you can't just go out and eat kind of naturally you still got to have feel like you've got a lot of restriction going on whereas i don't feel like that's really the case at the moment um so yeah
1: that is very unusual wasn't it usually be more food focused after so long dieting
0: yeah yeah i mean obviously i've gained a couple of pounds of water weight and glycogen and stuff and you know i look a bit softer probably again because i think i'm probably holding on to a bit of water from from when i was probably at my leanest through the diet in air quotes (laughs) Um but that's to be expected given obviously increased calories, but also some of my food choices have been a bit questionable. Clearly the <laughs> ends on my birthday, I had a massive meal on my birthday night out. I've had a couple of barbecues that following weekend on the Saturday and the Sunday. Um and then like this weekend just being we had a couple of like junk food meals. Like yesterday we went to a local place to uh get the make the most of the last eat out to help out thing. Um where I had like chicken burger, chip oh there's actually I had a half a burger and half a chicken burger, me and Jenna split. Uh, like chicken salted fries. Um, Summer had an adult's hot dog meal, which is like a fancy hot dog wrapped in bacon, covered in cheese sauce and crispy onions, like a upmarket one, not a shit hot dog. It was clearly she was never going to eat that, so I ended up eating most of that as well. And then we had like dessert, chicken wings and stuff. So there's things that I, I can't not I can't expect not to at least gain some water. Um, albeit I've tried to account for the most part from a calorie perspective. Albeit again, eating out, I can't really guess. I can I can only estimate what's in it i can't be accurate so is there more than i think potentially but there you go on the most part i'm kind of you know in around that maintenance calories i think and um we'll see basically obviously i'm just i'll just compare week to week averages now for the next five weeks and if it barely if it kind of you know barely changes and maybe if my average stays around the give or take i know a bit of a um leniency of a pound maybe either way then I'll take that over five weeks and, and say and call that maintenance and say, there you go.
1: I think that's, I think that's fair enough. Be honest to see how, how it goes.
0: Yeah, yeah. then on, onwards and upwards from there just to get in. Whoa.
1: you weight now. We were 11 so 9, you, roughly? Yeah, some I yeah. don't know what it is in pounds, but uh, yeah. Probably where I need to get to because you I'll oh, put all you, six, six
0: foot.
1: foot. Yeah. Well, and, and obviously people will be different, but it's obviously a, a decent gauge to go right, same size,
0: Height-wise, mm. I I could happily walk around in the condition I am now and be more than content with my physique. To be honest, if I didn't always want to improve, as I in don't... like as in like I'm, I'm so, sorry, let's say as in like I'm at a comfortable body fat weight or body fat weight body fat percentage and kind of weight or physique where I'd be happily walk around, you know, on holiday like or like, take my shirt off around family at home the barbecues things that you people are usually most self conscious for of and you know when they when they're thinking of their physiques. I'd say that, yeah, I'm in a good place like that where, like, I'm not absolutely diced shredded, but, I mean, kind of like, yeah, general pop lean almost, and that's good enough for me right now other than, obviously, I do want to improve, so I've kind of got to start to reverse what I've just done and accept that my condition, yeah, you kind of got to accept my con- my condition's going to deteriorate slightly. I had this conversation with a client, actually, today, Tom, um, who uh, has just finished a, a running planning goal we set but he wants to move back to improving his kind of or physique and, and kind of look to hypertrophy goals um, but he has got a, a, he just doesn't like being out of shape and doesn't like putting on body fat and you kind of got to accept that okay there's levels to it and that you don't have to go all in and kind of you know super bulk or perma bulk but you do have to accept some amount of fat gain over a period of time, even if you can clean it up quite quickly with things like mini cuts and use a slow rate of gain just to help from a psychological perspective. You do have to accept there is a compromise to be had if you do want to grow muscle, which, you know, I'm no different. I've got to accept that I need to put on more more body fat again over the next period. That's why I'm kind of looking at it quite objectively and say, right, if my rate of gain is X, how long would that potentially be? How long does it mean I can mass for? When you look at it for a good couple of years, that's a long time and a good position to be in.
1: Oh yeah, really good. But it does it does take time, doesn't it, to get in shape and relatively big? Because obviously you can be too light and shredded. It means you look really tiny. You need to be a certain.
0: To, to be honest, mate, I think I do. Like I, I, I no. sometimes, sometimes I, th- I think. I mean, I think I look alright. But I certainly, I don't think to the average person I look particularly like. Oh, you know, he really works out, or he's, you know, he's big. Um which I, we all we all want to get to that point don 't we um although ironically the other day came up on my Facebook memories where some dude abused me on Facebook and I shared it because it made me obviously like made my day where he said something about you need to use a bit more of your intelligence mate and stop using all the roids <laughs> I was like yes that 's the best thing someone's ever said to me <laughs> he doesn 't realize he just yeah, he just gave me the best compliment of my life um but no i I I, I sometimes think to myself, and this is the where comparisons the Thief for joy, where I compare myself to other people I know within the industry, you know, just even people I don't know personally, but you, you're kind of friendly with and stuff. And they talk about their weights and their conditions, and, and they're not, like, you know, in the 190s or something. I'm like, fucking hell, I started my diet in the 190s. Like, you, you know, you look relatively lean in the 190s or 180s or whatever. And I think, oh, shows you really, even, you know, I'm six foot, I'm not exactly a small frame. Although I think that, like, have, having, quite a long gangly frame doesn't help my position in terms of looking big. Certainly your extremities. So your legs and arms never look particularly impressive because they just look long. Like my legs and arms are ridiculously long. Um, so my arms, I've had to incorporate a load of direct arm work to try and make my arms look any way better than, than they currently do. And my calves look shit because I'll, I'll always be team no calves. Cause again, just got long, um, like soleus is like the, the belly part of the calf that goes from your Achilles upwards um they're just long and the gastroenteritis sits quite high up and it just you know they just look never just never ever gonna look impressive no matter how big i got them i don't think if
1: yeah, you look at if to be to be big a six foot you're gonna have to be pretty
0: yeah yeah you're gonna have to be really heavy yeah. Parts, yeah yeah uh to be honest and there is an element of i say all that but i'm absolutely content with it because i think over time i've realized it's futile to try and do any different because that's just my genetics
1: could compete with yourself it's easier and it's much better people be in a much better place so just go right I'll compete with myself I don't worry about anything else for sure
0: so anyway sorry long update for me in the end just cause I suppose we haven't talked about about that a few couple of people have asked me on Instagram like i oh, what's your plan next and stuff and I suppose that kind of says, says really uh, a, a maintenance phase to kind of build up the metabolism and calories a bit again because there are there is adaptations that obviously happen over those months and months of dieting um, and then yeah just onwards and upwards really from there there's a slow controlled rate of gain the opposite of what I did back in the last year which was a ultra fast um, parachute up into the air
1: (laughs) as fast as possible pretty much and I need to I need to do the opposite of what you're going to be doing I need to lose
0: some timber yeah well the the good well the good news with that is obviously the rate of gain is way slower than the rate of loss so the rate of loss is quite positive in that you can do it quite quickly um, and you, you look, use my example. Then again, okay, I was on the heavy side, but the the you know the timescales that I'm comparing of a six-ish month diet, you know, less than that really if you take out the diet breaks, um, versus a two year gain. Well, actually, that's probably about the ratio of dieting to gaining. Most people want to get four to one almost four four weeks to every one week of dieting, four weeks of gaining to one week diet, and that's the ratio most people do because that's how much slower gaining is compared to losing weight. So if you flip that around and think about it positive then then
1: you know it's it's, it's
0: a relatively mm. simple task, maybe not easy.
1: I think I'm about yeah, I need about to lose about forty-seven pound to be worth, to be your weight. No. <laughs> <Tew>. <laughs> I'm about two, 210 two ten, two fourteen, depending on the day.
0: Yeah, well, that's uh, be- that's easy doable, mate. Easy doable. Takes a bit of time, but, you know. Think, Just getting on. Yeah, and the good news is obviously being a bit heavier, you probably have a, a, you know, quicker run rate and stuff. Certainly to start with anyway, so.
1: I think, I think I've never been, I think I've never been 11 or 9 in my adult life. I mean 12 stone 4 roughly was about the light I've ever been. Yeah.
0: Well, these are probably, this is the third time in my adult life I've probably been this light. Um, one when i first lost a load of weight from kind of getting into my fitness journey but obviously holding very little muscle mass and then diet for the photo shoot two years ago or two years ago in april so over two years ago now and then this was the lightest and obviously i'd got down to like 158 i think photo shoot wise 157 something like that so again another 10 pounds lighter than i am now i wouldn't say too dissimilar condition maybe a couple of pounds in terms of fat less but that gave me some kind of positive feelings to think that oh well looking back on those kind of photos that i had of myself at that period i don't feel like my condition is it's like seven eight nine pounds worse now so therefore i must have put on a decent or like some muscle mass in those two years like even if it is only three or four or five pounds but that's a decent amount of muscle mass in that period of time which might align with what we said we talked about before around whether you kind of like if you fuck up your your uh, newbie gains can you get a bit of a second wind if you do it properly you know second time round? maybe it is a bit not, not that that's a huge amount because some people put on 10 15 20 30 pounds of fucking muscle in their newbie gains but um yeah, yeah well yeah yeah or just very genetically uh lucky hit a
1: Yeah, the pro with bodybuilders when they start and gain thirty-five pound in the first year, they go, "My God!" and then uh, continue to gain five pound over the next ten years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know, but there we go. So, anyway, talking of dramatic weight loss, um, I hear today that the government have announced some plans to, um, uh, well, I guess, a strategy to help people tackle type two diabetes because it's a co-founder or a risk factor for people that can have severe, more severe consequences to contracting COVID-19
1: Is it just COVID-19 or I'm guessing it's flu in general?
0: Um, pro, I, I don't know specifically about other uh, SARS viruses or flu viruses or any other type of related viruses but we can probably make the assumption that it'd be similar although that's you know what they always say about assume that make an mm-hmm. ass out of you and me um, so we could very well be wrong but what we do know is the government's plans to help tackle the coronavirus situation is to help people lose weight because obesity is also another co- confounding factor so obesity diabetes let's get everyone to lose weight therefore everyone will be healthy happier um, and more resistant to dying from coronavirus is essentially their their strategy now i guess on the face of it that doesn't sound that bad
1: no it's it's um it's not the purpose is not weight loss that would just be a a side effect of it is more for medical conditions and health
0: yeah because i think even, even the association of obesity and obviously higher risk of dying from from coronavirus i'm going to hazard a guess and again not be an expert I, the assumption could bite me in the ass but i'm going to hazard a guess it's not the actual adipose tissue or being o- overweight specifically that's the problem it's probably the fact that you would have lots of other co-founding health issues like cardio- cardiovascular disease and um obviously metabolic issues or metabolic disease and other issues that would be exacerbated by the coronavirus and therefore could die yeah. So, so what I'm saying is, it's not really kind of the physical side of being overweight is the problem. It's the fact that being overweight makes you really unhealthy. So, therefore, you're probably likely to get died a of coronavirus, which is obviously the same for type two diabetes.
1: Makes sense. Yeah.
0: Now, I mean, let's say on the face of it, it seems like a good idea. Um, however, I've seen on my timeline by many, 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 many fitness professionals today that they are up in they're in up in fucking well they're they're in uproar about the the, the strategy that the government's put out.
1: Is that because they uh have ill feeling towards the government and feel they are uh, not very good at anything else, so you just assume that it's gonna be the same with this?
0: Well, that could that could definitely be true, I think. And I I would say I would I fit in that box. I don't ha- I don't have much respect or uh positive thoughts for our government or their actions. Very specifically around the coronavirus as well. Um but wider than that uh, also. So I would fit in that box very much um so yeah it could be the case i guess but they, they're not i guess what i've seen is more around that they're, they're not specifying that they think they don't trust the government they're saying that they don't believe it's the right strategy and the strategy the government's put out for people that obviously haven't seen kind of the articles or stuff that's come out today is that the government are deciding that they're the way they're going to be tackling obesity uh, and specifically treating people for for type 2 diabetes is to implement a very low calorie soup and shake um, intervention for anyone. I can't remember the criteria now, but I think it's if they've had diabetes for the last six years. And I might be wrong if I've read that right or not. I can't actually remember now off the top of my head. But basically, if you qualify, they're going to pay for this treatment for you to have soups and shake diets, a very low calorie diet, basically, to help treat your type 2 diabetes. Now, the uproar, I think, for people is like the typical stuff of, oh, well, that's never going to work. There's no education, bro, that type of scenario that we've already talked about in the previous weeks. Um, what what do you think about when people kind of use that angle to say, like, basically, shakes and kind of low-calorie meal replacement type stuff just doesn't work?
1: Probably because the, the, the thing you think about most is the um, dog shit companies like Herb Life and Juice Plus is essentially what they do and they give you shakes mm-hmm. and one meal or whatever. So then they assume, you know what that means, mm-hmm. that, yeah, they assume that this is going to be just like that. Whereas Herb Life and Juice Plus are usually, well, 100% of the time, sold by boneheads who, who are just looking to make money or who are uneducated. As the fact that they think that's the only way you lose weight which you know it's not and they focus is on people just solely losing fat weight whatever and obviously this government initiative is for health because obviously type 2 diabetes is a lifestyle problem or disease then call it a disease no whatever type 2
0: Yes, I think it's metabolic disease.
1: You can class that. That's all you need to look at. Sorry to
0: interrupt this episode, but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked. If you want to know more, just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply. No contract links, just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after.
1: It's different from just losing fat. Fat and weight loss will come as a byproduct of obviously super low calorie diets, but it will, as we've seen. Oh, was it Newcastle? Or was it, is it yeah. was it called Newcastle study? Was it it's called the, that?
0: The direct study D R E C T. I think they might have stuck an I in like a lowercase i, but
1: and there's another one I found earlier from 2019. Um, with Thai patients with type 2 diabetes, and there were, I think, 19 patients, I'm just reading it now, 19 patients, and the diabetes remission was achieved in 80% of them. Obviously, it's small sample size, like um, the other one. However, that obviously does show that in that small sample size, that very low calorie dieting does, well... Completely sorts out the types of diabetes, which then, when they've got to that stage, and this time frame, on this one was this was twelve weeks, so that's not a long time, really, to go from, being type two to being in remission, and then, <clears throat> so that, that 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 it clearly works for twelve weeks, whether it would work across a year, people probably will probably wouldn't stick to it across a year, but. If after twelve weeks they say right you you're in remission, so now your risk of being your risk of dying or contracting coronavirus or whatever flu in general is dramatically reduced. Now we can then educate you to find uh, a way of eating that suits you long term, because I think people forget that even though some some of these diets are dog shit, some of them. Like herbal things, yeah. They do get people to lose weight and fat very, very rapidly and make noticeable changes in how they look through the mirror, make noticeable changes on the scale, even though that's obviously not the be all and end all, and make notable noticeable differences in what they wear. I mean for me, scale weight, yeah, it's like it's a bit of a whatever, but if you lose if you look different in a mirror It's motivating. If you look and you've lost two belt, a whole sizes, then that's motivating. So if you get them there, they're motivated to carry on. And now, then you can introduce the maintenance and then you can introduce the education as to why they lost weight, why super low caratide is probably not sustainable long term, blah, 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 blah. So I don't, most people are probably not, or assuming the government are going to fuck it up. Um, by just doing that and not giving any education of what to do and why it's been done this way, and they probably forget that every diet works. It's just sticking to it long term. Most diets achieve what they want to achieve. People lose weight, yeah. so I think they just, considering people are evidence based, they're very quick to not use their sense when. It comes from things like the BBC and the government. It' Too quick to go, oh, that's it. It's going to be crap. I've actually, I've, I haven't really looked what it's actually about. Because you know the media are just going to put a little snippet in of what to make a story out of it, to make people talk about it. So it's never going to be 100% yeah.
0: factual
1: for a start. So I think people may have jumped the gun on saying it's crap or the wrong way to go about it. Yeah. And it's like that.
0: I do think you you're definitely right on a couple of things there, I think. In one, I think people have jumped the gun, I think they saw the headline, didn't read the article and just saw, Oh my god, fucking shake diets. I can't believe the government have resorted or so resorted into something like as uh appalling and as cretinous as your you know, your, your Herbalife and your juice plus type stuff. I think they're basically the two things they've mis they've they've jumped kind the of misread it or not read read the actual article and they've then associated it with the people that we do despise within the industry that are preying on people's insecurities by offer them something that is is unsustainable for most people, but it's also a business opportunity for them to take money off people. This is not that um i mean i I put out a post about about it, and I've had people say about well, yeah, but this doesn't work for people I've worked with people for ten years. And, you know, the, the majority of people fail and they all come to us afterwards. I'm like, this is, you, you're talking about people that have fallen for Herb Life Salesman and Juice Plus, which we know has a terrible success rate. The stuff that the government's trying to replicate in terms of the pilot is based on things like the direct study. Um, there was something, Gordon Greenhorn, actually, who will be on, I think week after next maybe next week can't remember but he's going to be on the podcast soon um that he shared a, a three-year-old australian tr- um trial i think that was that was done obviously three years ago um and these are very very different i mean you take a direct study uh that was done in 2000 published fifth of set fifth december 2017 right you that actually isn't a re- that small a sample size they put they recruited 306 individuals from 49 interventions um and basically, they gave them, where was it, uh, a very low calorie shake diet for, I think it was, for, depending on the individual, um, something like four to eight weeks or something like that. I can't remember. It's a while ago since I actually read this in detail. But they basically gave them for a short burst period of, and they all lost like a significant amount of weight, like. 10 to 15 kilos or something or say all like most of them lost that um, weight in that period which obviously then sh- sh- had a dramatic effect on things like their blood sugar control Um a lot of them were then actually technically in remission from diabetes um, and I think what was amazing is when they followed up after the year half I think it was still like after 12 months almost half of them had achieved remission to a non-diabetic state and off anti-diabetic drugs so what intervention do you know in anywhere in the fitness industry that has managed to achieve 50% success rate after a year? Like, the average the average rate is like 5% or something ridiculous. Now, I just don't understand how people can jump the gun and be like, yeah, but very low-calorie diets don't work. They fucking do work. The evidence there is actually really, really positive in how well they work. The problem has always been that if they don't have... An exit plan in terms of education support from professionals, which Herbalife and Juice Plus just do not have, then they are always going to then struggle when inevitably they can't stick to that very low calorie aggressive calorie deficit for a period of time. They go back to their normal ways of eating, which is where the results fall off. Now, obviously, with the direct study, they had dietitians, personal trainers, fitness professionals, and and basically people supporting them through. In coming off of the very 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 low calorie shakes, and in, implementing then whole foods and teaching them behaviour change and lifestyle change, which made all the fucking difference. Now, yes, there are some arguments where people will go, yeah, but you can you can achieve that dramatic weight loss without having to do shakes. Yes, you can. But I will tell you what, shakes um, take all of the thought process out of it, which for a lot of people is a struggle. Like not knowing what to eat, having to think about food. That, that can sometimes be a big problem. A, a motivating factor for a lot of people will be the fact that I just don't have to think about food. You know, I'm seeing fucking ridiculous results in that first month and all I've got to do is drink a shake and just put up with the hunger. Brilliant, I'll do it. And obviously I think having that period of where they then get out of, you know, they go into remission and that must be hugely motivating for people to then want to go into behaviour change because they don't want to go back. Don't want to go nope. back to having diabetes. No one wants fucking diabetes for Christ's sake so if that, that's that got to be hugely motivating and that's why I think like it frustrates me to see even evidence based people within the industry and you know really good people um, that just have just jumped the gun a little bit and, and kind of gone off on one and uh, honest, I this is weird for me because I'm not protecting the government so I fucking hate our government I just they do not align they do not represent me as a, a kind of from an ethics morals policies all that type of stuff they just they couldn't probably be further from me but you kind of Whoa, that was loud. Did you have your phone by your microphone by any chance then, Johnny? It's um, nearly burst my eardrums. Um and I imagine it's gonna burst everyone's listeners' eardrums. <laughs> um I was just saying, uh, before I had my brain exploded. Um What was I saying? Yeah, basically the you kinda gotta stay science almost. You kinda gotta look past those biases and those issues that you've got, that confirmation bias that not government advice, uh, cognitive dissonance, I suppose, it's probably more that, um, where you just assume the government are going to fuck it up or you assume the government are wrong or you assume anything the government decides is clearly not the right answer. Because I think that's what a lot of people have done. And whether it is those reasons or whether it's more the alignments with the the Herbalife kind of area or or whatever, I don't know. But either way, let's just say, if you actually want to be evidence-based, you've got to say, hmm... Government might have this one right, assuming they actually pull through. Because I guess other people have said, yeah, what happens in it's a pilot, in a trial, they'll just fuck it up because they'll just pull funding later. Yeah, they might do. And obviously, we don't want that to happen. Um,
1: but if you look at the fitness industry in general, <clears throat> most of the general population still have never heard of ever-fitted macros. And most people believe that you can only lose weight on your standard. They've got to eat clean. Right, so the fitness industry is still in that sphere of yeah, you can eat whatever you want, and it's like it doesn't really help anyone. Yeah, you might be giving them calories, but for the for a lot of people, it doesn't. Obviously, work to some people, for a lot of people, especially a lot of general pop, giving them carry amounts, saying eat what you want, is not the right way. It's not the right way forward. Decision fatigue is one. Like, what to do I eat when we cook? Like, go coming back from work, say, I got I can I could cook twenty meals. or what do I want to do? Now, especially diabetic, now you've got someone going right this shake, this soup, whatever. It's like there's no thought, there's no thought at all, there's no prep, there's no nothing, there's no psychological stress. Oh, I imagine it gets quite stressful when you're, you're hungry towards the, the end of the pilot, however long it's going to be, but it, it will work in that front, and the, and the fitness energy is still too wound up in. Yeah, you can eat ice cream and cakes if you want to be a yeah, but it's not the right way to go about dieting for long term, is it? No, you have it when you you can fit it in now and again, depending on the client. And most general pub clients shouldn't be in that category because they've been treating for thirty years of their life to start with. You don't need to tell them eat cakes again. You know what I mean? So this thing takes out all decision fatigue, makes life easy. There's nothing to think about. So that, that,
0: it's that's, probably trying to stick to it. Yeah, no, and like that aligns with what they've said. Or you often hear these kind of anecdotes about really successful people. And they are anecdotes, so take them with a pinch of salt. But like successful people like Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg, you know, he knows he's a prick. But um, Although a lot of people said Jobs was a prick as well. But, oh, RIP, I can't believe I said that. Um, they, these people kind of use tactics like, and I think some Tim Ferriss has actually promoted as well, but to have like the same outfit every day and the same meals every day and what, you know, just basically try to standardize everything so that they just don't have to think about, like it's one less thing they have to think about because that way they've got more kind of brain capacity to think about something more important, which is why he always wore the turtlenecks and why Zuckerberg was the same suit every day and he just looks identical every day because it's like just nothing to think about. I don't need to know what color goes or what. I don't need to do this. And it is the same or similar and i also think that's why like a consistent eating pattern is so beneficial to people that want to lose weight and look at kind of the behavior to change style um because you kind of get the consistency and all of a sudden it takes out all of that um, decision fatigue because you you know you kind of almost on autopilot because you eat the same meals like the same days, doesn't have the same meal every day or the same meal for every meal. But you have a routine, whatever that routine looks like, that you stick to. Like I do, most of us we eat the same. I don't know, seven meals and at a night time over a week or ten meals. Say we maybe a couple of variances, but for the most part, we probably all eat the same meals. And actually, the most successful dieters are those individuals that keep things very consistent and very similar and don't try and make it too crazy and too much to think about.
1: I Who think there's a the planet of bodybuilders hmm. without fail they always get to where they want to get to regardless and what do they all do they eat the same thing day in day out boring so, some the all
0: same yeah some the same meal six times a day
1: yeah but it is, but it is like i think i think like my kids are telling, when you're in when you're in the dark stay in the dark don't come out and see the light and think, oh, I want to go back over that light again. Stay in the dark, stay hard in and you'll, it's psychologically better because people who've hard dieted and come out on a diet break, and if it's not really controlled, it's difficult to go back from going like, oh, I'll eat, oh, I can work in a cake or something, or a lot more carbs than normal from a bit of junk. And you go back to eating whatever, chicken, rice, and broccoli. It's quite hard. So professional, they are professional dieters and there is a dieting competition, who can get the leanest, do you ever see them dropping out because they haven't lost the weight? Never, especially a professional level. So, and they're all the same. They're all, you can always predict, I mean, if you've ever seen a full day of eating, you can always predict what they're going to do, what they're going to say, when they're going to eat, how many meals they're going to eat, when they're going to eat it. what they have pre-workout, post-workout breakfast, it's always the same. And they always get to where they want to get. Where they want to get to. Mm. So yeah,
0: they got uh, something yeah. right. Yeah, and I, you, I don't think you can knock that that consistency. I think a lot of people might look down and think, "Oh, but it's boring." But no, it's actually really, really positive in terms of getting a result. And it doesn't mean the meals you have to pick are boring either. Like you can still pick good tasting meals it's just that having that consistency and reducing that decision fatigue just does seem to have a really positive benefit um but i mean kind of going back to the 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 strategy I, i guess this aligns a little bit with what I said a, a while ago, or a few weeks ago, when the government announced plans around things like um, what did they do? They they announced the watershed um, marketing plans in terms of stopping marketing certain foods before certain times or banning kind of certain marketing in supermarkets or or positions of foods. You know those what they call them? high impulse foods, what they are the types of things that people leave at the counters because they know that people are going to you know pick up a chocolate bar on the on the till on the way out that sort of stuff. They obviously basically kind of strategies like that that if, um, if foods don't meet certain uh, nutritional basis, then they can't market them. Now, everyone's like, it kind of lines up a lot of the same people. were like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, we all know that donuts are not the cause or these, you know, these impulse foods or, you know, whatever the things are that they're telling they can't market. Um, they're not the problem for obesity. You know, we all know that you can eat donuts and lose weight. Well, yes, but I think... The problem is, is, it's it's multifaceted to a certain extent. But I think one of the things that people seem to also miss, which I didn't know until I heard, I think it was, um, I can't remember who it was, but um, it was on Dan Osmond's and Emma Story Gordon's podcast and Doctor Mike um, Fitness Unfiltered. They had some. They had Sophie Medlin, Jenny Rosborough, and who else was on it? That's really rude now because I'm going to forget who the third person was. Might have been Laura Tilt actually, El Tiltol, who we obviously had on here. Um, anyway, um, one of them said, "What you, what you don't, what it kind of, if you look past the 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 fact that you know those foods aren't the ones that aren't specifically or directly causing obesity. Of course, they're not because we know that you can eat those foods as long as you're in a calorie deficit, then you will lose weight or you won't put on weight. Um, however, they are contributing towards obesity because obviously they're highly palatable." Ultra-processed, cal- calorically dense, are therefore very easy to overeat. Um, but the point they made was actually what the banning of of kind of marketing a lot of those foods do is they don't necessarily stop people buying them because obviously people can still buy them, people do what they want, and that was the point a lot of the fit Pros make. But what they do is they 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 kind of take companies that invest you know in a trillion pound industry, aka food marketing. Um, they can't do that anymore. So therefore they're like, hmm, that's a big blow. We would probably need to uh, to do something about that, so they reformulate their actual products so they can then market them again because it's such a massive industry and has you know that is a trillion pound industry because it's effective and it works. You know the personal responsibility argument about you know people should decide if they want to eat this stuff It's bullshit because food environment food marketing is so powerful we're all almost brainwashing to buying and eating that stuff all the time. That is, that is fact. That's why it's a trillion pound industry because mar- food marketing works. So if companies want to be involved in that and sell their products, they kind of think, mm, okay, I'm going to have to start reformulating these things and make them healthier, in air quotes, so I can start marketing them again. And that's what it will force them to do. And until they brought that point up, I was like, shit, man. Never really thought about it like that. I was kind of probably more on the line of, well, we shouldn't be bad at marketing these things because penalising people that can eat that in moderation and not gain weight. You know, why, why am I being penalised I having to pay more or, you know, kind of can't get the buy one, get one freeze on the stuff I like because they've stopped those deals. Why am I being penalised? Why have I got to pay more for my Reese's Cups? And that's, that's why, because actually what it means is they start to reformulate the things to, to make them healthier for people. Yeah. So it does have a wider macro effect. In the same way as sugar tax, that type of thing.
1: Because so, they've been forty. in Junk foods, which I'll you know, say so they had under calories left, less, less per portion, and then people are eating these forty junk foods weekly, Actually, which is I, say thousand yeah. calories, two thousand calories, or whatever, be because simply they're eating the same shit, but it's a bit less calories. What people forget is the fitness industry is failing. So if they think you can eat, yeah, you can, you can eat donuts and cakes and. Whatever else, and still lose weight, but is it the right thing to do? Is it the right way? What about it? Does it work for a lot of people? Yeah. Does it does it not work for a lot of people? No. So just just not. Forget the fitness industry is failing. The country's is still getting fatter. Yeah. Just. So
0: is- I just want to touch on that the bit you say about the fitness industry is failing. I actually think that's a bang on spot on point because it's glamorized the whole flex we've talked about before the glamorized the fucking iffm crowd and the flexible dieting crowd and how oh yeah it's now you know calorie fucking deficit that's all that matters and we should all be eating donuts because we can kind of like ethos and it's that's failing people because actually that works for quite a for a minority of people it just looks like the majority when you're in that bubble like when you're on Instagram and you all you follow is IFYM Jack and IFYM Pete and fucking Flexible Dieting Joe and, you know, the people that basically are into counter macros and can stick to that stuff. That's glamorizing it that, oh, that's the answer. And I was there. I thought that. I used to be so yeah. pro-Flexible Dieting. It's ridiculous. Hence, I talked before about my kind of fucking pseudo eating disorder around how I just wanted to create the most crazy flex bowls I possibly could to stick on the gram and enjoy that, that meal for all of three minutes while I starved myself for the rest of the day to be able to afford to, to kind of fit that into my macros. Now I'm lucky enough that I'm quite robotic that I could stick to it and I did lose weight and saw a lot of progress doing it that way. But I'll be honest, it wasn't the best way and it isn't the best way and something I don't do now. Um but that I would say that is the minority of people and that that, that that's why it is failing people because actually most people would do a lot better not thinking of food like that, and actually focusing on nourishing and and healthful whole foods to to actually help them support a diet and help them make weight loss easier.
1: Mm. If it's your macros, is good for PT's nutritionist coaches because it becomes easier to sell someone on the diet. If you say to someone who's fat, struggles with their weight... Um, Feel that they can't stop eating whatever junk they're eating. If so you say, yeah, but you can include that donut still and still lose weight. They go, oh yeah, great, I'll go with you. And if you can do some magic trick like that, I'm all in. Man, it's not really, it's not really helping them long term. I would say the vast majority of general population should not ever go near, not ever should not go near, if ever Vegemite was for at least a year of working with someone so they can explain right this so they can bring that up at a later date right or it comes up naturally it? right um right i gotta go i got a wedding on whatever I, I usually eat these three meals a day they might not have that there what can i do right then this is what you can do on that day that is what flexible diet and if it's actually should be but it's been butchered like all all that's Fundamentally, we're probably good at the start. They're just been wankered up by wankers yeah. normally. Yeah. So so that's where it should be, but people want to get on and like, oh, yeah, you can eat cookies and whatever else. Because it sells people, but it doesn't help them long-term. People should who have eaten shit for the last 35 years of their life shouldn't really be told, yeah, you should keep eating that shit you can still lose weight you can actually know you
0: no, don't need no. to change yeah uh, just what you just said was funny actually because it just resonated people that have eaten shit for 35 years of their life don't need to be told you can still eat shit you just need to eat less of it because to be honest that's, pro- that's probably the advice they've been giving themselves for 35 years <laughs> and it hasn't worked so yeah, which same. is basically which is basically what flexible dieting Almost is to associate. Well, it's not because we know it's been butchered. We know that it's like the yeah. the it's been taken to the extreme. Flexible dieting isn't that at all. Flexible dieting is more. Your your diet should be focused on whole foods, but it allows you to improve adherence by including some foods that you enjoy. Um, albeit, I think I don't. Do you have another story of how IIFYM came about?
1: on a message board with Alan Aragon? It was, you do know, yeah.
0: Yeah, about swapping green beans for... Someone was basically saying, here's my macros. I've been told I've got to have green beans with whatever. And it's like, can I swap those green beans for broccoli? And I was like, yeah, if it fits your macros. And then there's like, can I swap that white rice for brown rice? Yeah, if it fit... And obviously they got bored, didn't they? And so I think Alan Aragon, although he should not be named on our podcast, um, although he N- you know has... Um I think he decided to start shortening it to IIFYM instead of actually typing the whole thing out because that was getting obviously you know, too too long to write every time. You want to shorthand it. And
1: this, how long was this? It's probably at least ten years ago. Oh, wait, really? probably longer. Fifteen.
0: Nah. Yeah, probably fifteen. People,
1: I, people think this is a new thing, and it's not. It's not at all.
0: It's, no, it's oh, not. But okay. but that I mean that story's prominent or important because it's kind of like the the idea was not to swap. You're not trying to fit in junk food. It was trying to swap similar macronutrient foods for other foods but they were whole foods you know they weren't saying can i swap that for a pop-tart yes you can you can swap for a pop-tart clearly but it doesn't necessarily mean they will have the exact same effect or the exact same effect on health um and by 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 the same effect i mean also i guess like on adherence and stuff like that because yes okay swapping 50 grams of one carb 50 grams of another carb uh, at a very basic level is the same but one carb may be very different than other when it then comes to its adherence-promoting effects or its um, kind of promoting effects on things like cravings and other stuff, which is obviously important, a diet, where we know that the most successful predictor of a... Sorry, the most prominent predictor of a diet, to be successful or not, is adherence. Not what type of diet, what not what type of method, it's the adherence. Can you stick to it? That is the one thing that will predict whether a diet is successful, over and above keto, over and above clean eating, you know, above whatever the, the actual method is, is can someone fucking stick to it? And that's why it's so important for people to find diets they can stick to.
1: And it's now you're saying that it's almost laughable that you've got these, it's not so much a as really, it's just the people who were reading data go, yeah, keto is marginally better, well, is better marginally better for fat loss than high-carb diet like really who cares like who cares you're boring it's boring 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 discussion stupid it's actually a stupid retarded discussion
0: like i don't i don't think that's true and even if it was true it wouldn't matter if you bear in mind that no one can stick to say no one like most people can't stick to keto because it's too restrictive
1: yeah they should be they should be worried about that's the biggest thing in the fitness industry should be the psychology of dieting not what diet is the best because it's like who cares what diet's the best like you said it's what you can stick to and it goes back to if fits your macros it's easier to market to people than uh, a good quality healthy diet high in quality nutrients yeah. that is difficult to sell but that is why psychology is almost a Underrated or forgotten about thing was I didn't when it's probably the major role that's causing the country to be as fat as it is.
0: Mm-hmm. You think about um, the concept of selling services and how you know like the IFWM sells better than the alternative, and the alternative you know in in this scenario or this example is um, eat foods that you don't enjoy as much because <laughs> inevitably it's kind of like. You can do IFYM and eat all the food you enjoy, but obviously they, they leave out the small print of you're just not going to be in a lot of food. Um, or the alternative is, I say, to eat foods that you've been avoiding all of your life because you don't enjoy them as much, aka whole foods. Which, ironically, if you ate more of, you'd probably enjoy them more because that's what happens. Your taste buds evolve and adapt to what you eat, which is why, like, the more shit you eat, the more junk food you have to eat to get that kind of same stimulus. Um, and in the same way as when people start to remove those foods and start to eat more kind of a air quotes cleaner diet they start to enjoy the foods they're eating better like oh tomatoes taste better than i thought they used to be or i actually quite enjoy plain rice or maybe not plain rice but you know what i mean Although i do like yeah. a nice fluffy basmati or a, a fluffy jasmine um but you know what i mean yeah it, it, it just it your your taste buds definitely adapt to what you eat in terms of you start to get like your palate changes and you start to appreciate and taste like, but even things like carrots taste sweeter when you avoid junk food um, or, you know, like if you ever ever deep in a diet and you hadn't had junk food for ages and then you eat a carrot, it's like the sweetest thing in the world. Like I could eat a ton of these. In fact, I remember a story Jeff Alberts once told where he was eating like the barrel, you know, the middle circle bit of a carrot, which is like, a lot sweeter than the outer part of a carrot. Have like, you ever eat the peel of a carrot or like you ever leave a bit of peel on, it's really bitter. Uh, but, if you know, like, a carrot's got that little inner barrel, that bit is really sweeter compared to the outside. And He, I, he told the story about he was eating kilos of these carrots in the middle, the, the, the barrels of the carrots, because during a, a prep, <laughs> someone was saying, "Problem is, you're still eating like as much as carrots are obviously low calorie. You're probably still eating about a thousand calories worth of carrots because you've just That's... eaten five <laughs> kilos of them." <laughs> yeah, I think I... I think we'll call it there, shall we? Hit the hour mark. It's
1: that quick. I, I, yeah. I like that one.
0: Yeah, it's an uh, interesting debate, and I think there's a lot to it. Um, the... I do
1: like topics because it's relevant. Like, I think the sciencey stuff is a bit, it's relevant but boring.
0: It can be. Hopefully, our listeners don't find it boring, though. So, um, yeah. this
1: is relevant to what's happening in life, isn't it? Yeah. It's like us debating keto over a high carb diet is like, what's the point? Yeah. We would debate over it, maybe, but.
0: Yeah. Um, Anything to shout out? I think obviously you've still got client coaching spaces, haven't you? If uh, if anyone wants to to email, is it Johnny at nnncoaching.com uh, or yeah. you can email yeah. info yeah. at nnn. Say that again.
1: Put the space of two people. Yeah.
0: Um, I am now full, I'm afraid. I'm um, capped my numbers now based on quality of service. I want to make sure that we provide a decent quality so I, I cannot take any more people. However, uh, obviously you've got a space, haven't you? So if people do want, then let's say reach out. We'd love to be able to help. Um, don't forget your cheese in an N10. Uh, Eat lean. The, uh, uh, I have actually ran out and haven't had any now for a couple of weeks nearly. I know it's probably the longest I've been without cheese. So I'm going to get on the blowout, I think, and say, Excuse me. Um, I That's would cool. like, Yeah, what's going on? Can you p- supply me with some cheese, please? Um, <laughs> lucky enough, obviously, back in a massing phase, it's I uh, suppose less of a requirement because. Um, I've got more calories to play with, and can probably afford to have some full-fat cheese. However, I would love to have some Eat Lean tasty because it's banging um, to go into some toasties or something like that. So, I um,
1: I'm not. I'll have to order some. I think
0: it's to be fair. Eat Lean is amazing. So the, I've said this enough times. Eat Lean's amazing for dieters in terms of being able to still have you know. I think someone once quoted, "I can pound the cheese all day without having to worry about it when I'm dieting," which is great um eating tasty is obviously higher in fat but to be fair it's as good as any cheddar i've ever had so it's banging in a toasty or you know you know in your sandwiches or however you would usually have it but i i would recommend the the zero calorie syrups for dieters as well like the best zero calorie syrups i've ever had like genuinely as well i'm not just saying that i mean they're still zero calorie syrups so take them you know as as i say that as in they're not fucking full sugar syrups and they never will be but if you do you know if you're used to another different uh, brand you'll i think most people will hopefully you'll find an improvement i think they are i think they're better than any other brand i've ever had. so big shout it is a big shout but I, I am trying to i i'm very much trying to manage expectations and not sell it oversell it to something that is not because it's not a maple syrup it's not a chocolate syrup. because like, i think i've got maple chocolate salted caramel and blueberry um but they're all better than any counterpart I've had, like a Walden's Farm or a Bulk Powder's own brands and stuff. They've all been a bit thin and a bit watery. These ones are a lot thicker and not so watery. They're still lacking a little bit of sweetness, because obviously it's artificially sweetened rather than sugar. But I think they still work pretty well on most stuff. I've had them on yogurts, on... on I don't think I've had them on pancakes. I think I've used proper maple syrup on pancakes. But I've had them syrup. on my oats. I've had them, which worked pretty well so do they just add a touch of flavor and a touch of sweetness without adding the calories so I think I, I think
1: I might even put an order in for a hamper
0: don't forget you don't forget to use your NNN 10 get your 10% off mate. I,
1: will, I will do that I will definitely do that <sighs> do a tasty hamper eat lean super lean hamper I'm going to go for this super lean hamper yeah just okay. to get myself in the, in the in the mindset of improving my um subpar eating habits yeah
0: well we can work on that um one you throw in one block of tasty just to give it a little go Add a little extra block go on one block of tasty one block of tasty go on just to give that a little try and why not throw a little pack of spreaders in there while you're at it <laughs> i can't believe it. i'm selling to you oh that's outrageous <laughs> yeah. right yeah.
1: you're upset me yeah
0: well that's what we do here no no one no- no- says no- no- nutrition Come in, come in for the semi-private coaching. Leave with the one-to-one. Jokes, jokes, no. jokes. Carl, we're not that, we're not that unscrupulous.
1: Been better off.
0: No. Right on that note, I am going to end it. It's been most enjoyable, uh, and we will see you all next week.
1: On the flip side, thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.